Oh, thanks. Thanks for being here today. I said, is anybody going to be in the audience? It's spring break. There's no classes. Is anybody coming? But see, you guys are the most holy. And it's funny, but it's in reality, it's truth. You know that you may not have known this, but you know that today is God's most holy day. It's the Day of Atonement. I'm serious. And it's been probably the first time in my entire leadership life, Christian life, that I've actually been aware, I mean, we're in Rosh Hashanah, we are just going through the, the nine days of repentance, and, and this is the day that we are to be in prayer and to be in fasting and in consecration to the Lord. So I just thought it was so awesome that I was able to be able to minister on this day when I realized that it was actually happening. I've actually been practicing it. I don't make it a point to study the feast, but this particular year I was very interested in it. And the fact that I can speak to you and that we can go into a day of fasting and prayer. So when I say you are the most holy, it's because whether you knew it or not, you are honoring atonement today. You are honoring God's most holy day, the day that he he paid that price for us. He shed his blood to cover us, to cover our sins so that we could walk in victory. Amen? Amen? And, and God says, if you will honor me on this day, now this is a promise, if you will honor me on this day with prayer and consecration and fasting and offering, he said, I will pour out a double portion. He, he says, there's miracles that I will pour up pour upon you. Blessings on your family, on your financial. You'll have financial blessings. You'll have deliverance. Come on, somebody. Get a little bit, get a little bit excited about that. There's restoration. There's these blessings that he will pour out if you will honor him on the day of atonement. So we are here and good things are going to come out of today. Amen. So um, today we're going to be in First Peter um, all around it, all over it. We're going to be all over First Peter today. Um, but I want to start with the end because I, I, I don't know about you, but I like to watch movies when I already know the ending of it. Don't you? Who likes to know the ending before that you start? Or the book, the ending. It's like, if someone's going to die, I don't think I'm going to go on with this book because I like happy endings. And so this, we're starting out at the end of First Peter um, before we get into the rest of the guts of it. And First Peter, verses, um, chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, who has been very active in this, in this season of feasting, in this season, these nine days of, there's always a lot of turmoil that goes on with the Day of Atonement, with this, because Satan knows that he's defeating, that he's being defeated. Satan knows that if we take seriously the things of God, that he is losing his power. So if you've been struggling, if you have had things coming against you, know that you are in the will of God as you walk and you stand firm. He says, be sober and be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. How many know he is definitely doing that, right? this time of, of where we are in life. 
And the Bible says, resist him, standing firm. That means to make solid, to stand in the presence of judges and to be established or to be kept intact, to be able to uphold and sustain your authority, literally like a cornerstone of a building, to be of a steadfast mind as one who doesn't waver or hesitate, to stand firm in the face. Someone say, just say no. Someone say, talk to the hand. Resist him, the Bible says. This scripture speaks of sustainability, and I want to show you a picture of what sustainability does not look like. This is, if you want to put that up there, this is my grandson, Elias, and my son, Tyler. This was Elias's, I may have showed this to you last year, but it, it just worked in this message. This is his first baseball game, and he is an Oakland A's fan, even though he does not understand what Oakland A's is, but he knows he lives in Oakland, and so this is his new team. It says, first, he's three years old. He has his new jersey on. He got a new hat, came in the mail in a box. He was so excited. He has a mitt on his hand. You can't see it, but he got a mitt on his hand in case they threw, a, you know, they, they, someone hit a home run and it, it decided to come right to him. So he is so excited. He was up at 5 a.m. this day. He was so excited. And, and if you know Elias, which you don't, but I can only tell you, the guy just is motivated. He is excited. Everything is a celebration in Elias's life. Whether it is coming to church or, or you answer the phone, he says, Hi, Grandma! Hi, Grandma. Like, you are so glad to see me, Grandma. Look at me, Grandma. Everything is, is, is over-the-top excited. He's just like Tyler was when he was little. But Elias was so excited, so he finally gets to the game, and they're having the full experience, the hot dogs, the, the soda, the ice cream, everything. And he is so excited for this game. He's been talking about it. He's been thinking about it. And he's so excited, and the game starts, and by the fourth quarter, this is what he looked like. No sustainability. And I think so many times, by the sixth inning, he was asleep. And I think so many times, we, we know how to start well, but it's really hard to endure and finish and finish strong, Right? And so the word is saying, be alert and be, in, be sober, resist him standing firm. See, sustainability is, is developed in your inner man. Sustainability is developed in your inner man. And there are just two truths that I want to share with you today. I wanted to keep it simple and something that you could really t grab hold of. And, and in 1 Peter, there's two truths that we want to embrace that will help us to walk out and to stay sustained and to stay strong and to stay alert during this time of di difficulty, whatever your difficulty may be. First Peter talks about, when I look at First Peter, and I've read it through and through and through and through again, I see lordship. First Peter to me speaks of lordship. It's lordship of your soul, of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Is he Lord of every thought that goes through your head? Is he Lord of the patterns that have been established in your life? Is he uh, Lord over every decision 
And every thought, but also every mindset that you have, every determination that you have determined by anybody you see on any given day. Is he Lord over those things? Is he Lord over your will? Are you still in control or is he really in control? It's about lordship and it's this inner man stuff. It's about letting Jesus have the authority in your life, the rule and the dominion and daily surrender. It's a, it's a daily thing. It's not just I sing about it this morning in chapel and that means it's going to happen in the rest of my day. That's not what it, what it is. It's a daily surrender. It's a moment by moment sometime surrender of my will versus his will. What it is that he wants me to do right now when I'm speaking to you, when I'm speaking to this person, when I'm dealing with some situation or I'm on the phone talking to somebody, what am I allowing God, how much influence am I allowing God to have? See, because your inside, it's about inner man stuff. Your inside's going to affect your outside, right? God always is focused on your inner man. And you know what um, President Hagen or Scott, my husband, whatever, he says, whatever spills, whatever fills, spills. Whatever fills your heart will spill out. And so in 1 Peter, we're talking, he's talking to the Christians that are in exile. So they're in a difficult place. The Christians are separated out. They're in bad circumstances. But it's like a blueprint that he's given us for how to walk sustained and how to walk this Christian life out. And back, if we back up now and we go to 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave the pure spiritual milk. The pure spiritual milk. He says, get rid of this stuff because they're in exile. And how many know when you go through hard times, you kind of go into survival mode. And you don't always grow. And sometimes things attach to you. Ugly mentalities. Maybe little attitudes and stuff. And he's saying, clear this stuff out and get back to that place. Like a newborn baby craves the, the milk of his mother. Get to that place and crave the pure spiritual milk. So that by it, you will continue to grow. You won't be stuck in survival mode. You'll continue to grow. Because you know what? You've tasted that the Lord is good. He says, you've tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you have done that, now come to him, the living stone, rejected by men and chosen by God, and precious to him so that like living stones are being built into a spiritual house, you are being built into a spiritual house. Just like the living stone of Christ, you are being built into something to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So here's my question. What is filling your house today? On this day of atonement, on this most holy God day, what is filling your house? We're talking about sustainability and lordship. Who's calling the shots, really, of your life? So number one, the first truth that I want to share with you, and I'm sorry they're not up on the board. It didn't get to the guy. We found the pictures, but I couldn't give you the, the, the other stuff. Truth number one is that God's presence changes everything. Make some room. Someone say, make some room. 
Do you know that the devil is not afraid of your effort? Nor is he afraid of your credentials. You can't do it on your own. What he is afraid of and what he does know, that his kingdom will be severely damaged if you will begin to practice the presence of God. He's not afraid of you doing things in your own strength, but if you begin to do things in the strength of God, that's when he knows he's in trouble. Acts 20, um, 17, 28 says, For in him we live and we move and we exist. That means, that means to happen, to be present. It is a current form of the word, meaning it was, it is, and it is what will be. In him we exist, we move, we live. It's a now ongoing idea in our lives so that no matter where you are, you are in him. No matter what's facing you, what is in front of you, you are in him. No matter how you feel at this particular moment, you are in him. So why then would we need to make more room for God if we are in him and he's always there? It's because, you know, like when you meet somebody new in your life and you have a friend, how many know that you get to know him at the beginning or her, but as you get to know them, you get to begin to understand their attributes and you begin to understand their heart and how many know their, your love for them grows as you get to know them, as you spend time with them and as you experience experiences together, you get to know one another, you begin to love, you begin to trust, you begin to understand that person more. As you get to know God in your life, he grows inside of you because you're beginning to understand a greater attribute of God or the greater nature of God that is actually residing. As you dis discover the practice of his presence, you begin to discover the benefits of God. Someone say, make some room. That's why Paul said, let the eyes of your heart be enlightened, continually enlightened that you may know what is the hope of the call of God. It literally means to take up residence, to take up residence in his presence, to light up, to become clear, to have that inner awareness grow inside of you so that we dwell in the presence of God instead of just visit the presence of God. It means to be opened, and when that happens, we will experience greater measure of God and the greater influence of God in our lives. God's presence, ladies and gentlemen, is an all-consuming presence. It fills space and time. So here's my question. How much of God's presence affecting you? Because it's up to us how much God's presence influences us. It's up to us. How much of his, of his presence is filling your space and filling your time today as we are operating in the atonement, the day of atonement? How much of God's influence is filling you? Because you can literally be surrounded by the presence of God and it doesn't affect you. Because you're not allowing your heart to be enlightened. 
to grow. It's sad that we can know that truth that God is with us, and it literally doesn't influence us. It influences us here at the altar and in chapel, but is it influencing us over there when we're having coffee and we're trying to figure out in our own strength this problem or this difficulty? God says, know me and dwell. Take up residence in my presence. Let that grow. Let that be enlightened. It's like the essential oils. I always joke about it. My husband calls it witchcraft. But it's not. (laughs) It's holy oil, and I think I may have told you this before. I love it when I put on essential oils because it fills the space and time. It fills the room, and people notice. It catches their attention, and it gives me an opportunity to open up a conversation. So I love essential oils. What if when you walk into a room, the whole atmosphere shifts because the presence of God is so active inside of you? What, what, what would happen is if when, we, when you enter a situation, things change, wisdom comes, things happen because of the activity of the, pow- the power and the presence of God that's inside of you. God's presence changes everything. My question for you today is what is filling your house? We have to make room. We have to become acquainted with. We have to understand and practice this ongoing relationship with the powerful presence of God in our lives. How do we do that? Well, let's go back to chapter 1 because we got to see where it starts. Peter said this. He said, give God a praise. That's where he starts because we know that praise ushers in the presence of God. Praise, the Bible says in Psalms 22 that he's enthroned on our praises. So he says, start with praise. Give God a praise. Why? Because you've been given new birth. He says, you've been given an inheritance that will never spoil and that will never fade. And it's kept in heaven for you. Give God a praise because grace and peace is given to you already in abundance. You have inexpressible and glorious joy, the Bible says. You have been chosen. You are his elect. You are his child. You've been given a living hope. Someone give God praise. He says, you are chosen. You are sanctified by the work of the Spirit. You have been shielded by God's power. You are covered in the blood, and you've been given access into the throne room, into the Holy of Holies, through the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ. I think we just need to stand up and give God a praise right now. Come on, let's just have a praise break right now. Someone give him praise. Someone give him praise. He's worthy of it. He's worthy of praise. Amen. God, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you chose us, that we are your elect, that we are your children, God. We give you praise today. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and sit down. See, praise changes your view of your situation. It does. Because it ushers in his presence and it keeps God on the throne of your life and of your thoughts and of your heart as you walk through. And even though you know that hardship is going to happen and you're going you're gonna to blow it and you're going to stumble, you're going to be defeated. How many know that we have the assurance of the grace and the mercy of God working in us to keep us going through, to build that sustainability in us? We can be confident that it's producing in us 
the hardship and the difficulty, a genuineness of faith, a purity of faith like a newborn babe that craves pure spiritual milk, even though we are refined by fire. There's a purpose in it all, and our result has to be praise. How many know we can praise ourselves out of the depression that we have walked and talked ourselves into? It has to start with praise because, you know, the whole point of why we're here is that Jesus Christ would be revealed in us and through us. The whole point of why we're here is that we can show his glory to this world. And as we honor him, we have to understand how much power we have on this earth. So when God knocks at the door of your spiritual house, he needs to be greeted with praise. The praise needs to fill the entryway of your house because he is ushered in and he is welcomed by our praise. It reminds us of who he is, who we are, and who's in control. Praise always sets us free. Truth number two, God's presence will not compete. Get rid of it. His presence will not compete. We got to get rid of it. We're talking about lordship. First Peter 2 says, therefore, because of what we just discovered, because of what we just talked about, get rid of the malice and the deceit and the hypocrisy and the envy and the slander of every kind. And you're saying, well, I'm not that kind of person. I'm a Christian. Christians don't sin. We don't, we don't have that. We're not hypocrisy. We're not So how about we put it this way? Get rid of the immoral thoughts. Get rid of the depression. Get rid of those thoughts that make you feel like you are unworthy. It says get rid of negativity. Get rid of the negative things. See, negativity is like yeast. It grows and it fills space. What you feed on, friends, will dominate your inner man. We need to begin to replace the negative with the presence of God. The negative thoughts, the negative actions, the things that, that the enemy's trying to get us to take hold of, we need to resist those things and we need to grab hold of and bring our thoughts into alignment with his word. There is an ever-present opposing force called negativity that's constantly working against the presence of God. And even though the presence of God is more powerful, he has given us a choice. And if you fill your heart with negativity and you fill your mind with those negative thoughts and you rehearse those over and over because that's what we do, instead of choosing to praise and choosing to worship and choosing to go to the word and choosing to rehearse the promises, we rehearse the problem. And we know that negativity is everywhere, society, workplace, social media, it's even in church. And it breeds and it catches on. Anybody ever been in a, in a room that where somebody is just negative? How many know the whole room gets turned towards that negativity? 
It breeds on it. And then suddenly you realize that your lordship is now going from be, letting God be the Lord of all to the, the, the anxiety and the, the worry now is, is taking up lordship. We have to be alert. If we could have the, the band come up here. We have to be alert and be sober and understand that, that growing in the Holy Spirit and growing in the presence of God is is a strategic journey. It's a strategic journey because negativity is designed to chip away at your victory. It's designed to chip away at your freedom. It invades your perspective. It clouds your truth. It penetrates your shield of faith, and it infiltrates your mind with toxic thinking. Peace will not coexist with negativity. Joy will not coexist with negativity Praise will not coexist with negativity. God's presence does not compete. We either partner with the presence of God or we will partner with the problem. It's your choice. It's your choice today. We got to put away, get rid of that negativity. That's an ongoing, current thing that we have to do. We have every thought that take captive, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Grab hold of the truth, what's been filling your house. On this day of atonement, on this most holy day, which is a day of prayer and fasting and consecration, allow the Holy Spirit to check your heart. Because you want to walk in victory, you want to walk in freedom, otherwise you wouldn't be here. On this day when you could have taken off and already been on spring break, or spring break, fall break, But God's calling us to be strategic, to be sober, and to be alert, and to resist the influence of the enemy. Back to the end of the the book, 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'll tell you what, friends. You do that, he will be there. You humble yourself. He will come through for you. You cast your care on him. He will bring forth life for you. Let's stand together. I hope that you've been able to make some time today, even though you did not know this was the most holy day. Take advantage of it. Because on the other side of that is the double portion. On the other side is financial abundance. On the other side is restoration and miracles. This is according to Joel chapter 2. Divine presence. How many want God's divine presence working active in your life? Blessings upon your family and deliverance. Take time today. I want you to come down to the altar and just begin to worship and to pray and to consecrate yourself and to ask the Lord today, even this morning, he was eradicating and extracting toxic things that have come and taken, tried to take root into my heart. It's a daily surrender. So God, I pray that today, Lord, we would take seriously, God, the beauty of the atonement, of the day of atonement, the beauty, God, of the sacrifice that you made, that not only, Lord, eradicated, Father, that ultimate price that we had to pay, but also purchased our future. 
our future in heaven, God. So we, Lord, consecrate ourselves, Lord. We humble ourselves today before you, God. And to say, God, be more inside of us. If you want more of God today, I want you to come down to the altar and just begin to empty out. Just begin to empty out those negative things, those hindrances, those mountains that seem to keep getting in the way of hearing the voice of God. Just humble yourself before the Lord today. Take advantage of his presence that is here. Holy Spirit, come and breathe on us today. Spirit of the living God, come and move in our midst. Hallelujah. Come on, begin to cry out to God. Lord, we need you today, God. We know we can't do it on our own, God. It's not in our own strength, God. We, Lord, surrender, God, the control today. We surrender, God, the manipulative ways that we have, God, and we put it at your feet, God. We lay and cast our cares and our ways, Lord, and our thoughts, God, at the, the feet of Jesus right now, God. Father, we need you, we need you, we need you, God. We honor you today on your most holy day, God. And we say, Lord, change us, God, change us, Father. We desire more of your presence, God. We desire more of you, God. We press into you today, God. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, go ahead.